0: Hello, friends. Welcome back to Roger Roger. This is episode seven. Today, we are actually not watching a show or a movie, but we're going to be discussing an album. We're going to go top to bottom and talk about each song and what we like about it and what we get from it. And today we're talking about Peopled with Dreams by John Mark McMillan, which was released February 14th, Valentine's Day of 2020, and is, if I had to pick, probably my favorite album of all time. I know John Mark McMillan's my favorite artist, his music is so fun and so deep and so thought-provoking, and it's just been a gift for me, for sure. And I hope after hearing us talk about it, you guys will go listen and maybe be a gift for you. So, Chris, what do you have to say before we get started? Well, not a whole lot. I'm happy to be back on the pod. We're doing episodes every other day, which is much different than every four months, so I'm excited <laughs> about that. I'm yes, indeed. To get into this, and then our second section today will also be a lot of fun. Oh, yes. Today, we are having our second guest, and that will be... Don't the, tell, don't tell. The one, surprise. the only... Surprise. <laughs> surprise. You guys gotta get there. We'll have to not include the person's name in the title this time as yeah. well, so you'll have to wait and see. Okay, before I start with the first song, I'm gonna say a few things about the album. Um, he said, John Marpin Millen, said that this album is for everyone, wherever they are on their faith journey, but specifically it's for those who have maybe left the faith and are on the way back. And he said it's for people all the way across that journey, but I thought that was a really interesting perspective because I personally don't know many people like that, but I think the circle that he's in has a lot of people who are post-Christians or aren't really sure where they believe anymore. So I think it's really unique, and I think you can hear that in the album, that it's not departing from any core things about Christianity, but it comes at it from a very unique perspective and is kind of this idea of you don't have to think about it the same way everybody does and you can use different words and think about it in different ways even though it's true which I think is really cool. Agreed. Um, I'm going to talk about it later too but he is, he's a big fan of this word called re-enchantment which is like enchantment but with a re in front of it so it's happening again and what that means is to put the story back into something and he actually has a song that just released called Reenchanted World. But I think this album was, he was uh, beginning to use that word and think about that word. And I think this album is kind of a reenchantment of like being able to see the real world, but to see magic in it and to see faith in it. And it's just wonderful. Uh, the title of the album, Peopled with Dreams, has a D at the end. It's not people with dreams. He jokes about that. But it's this idea that we are the dreams of God, And we're the thing that God peopled the earth with. And so it's this idea of the people that you're interacting with are God's dreams. And and so I think that's really cool. Um, He recorded the album in his basement, which is also his studio in Charlotte, North Carolina. And his producer on the album was Jacob Early. And that's, that's all I have to say, so let's get started. The title, not the title track, the first song of the album is Christ Jesus. I love this song. It's a great song. It was not a single beforehand, so the first time I heard it was when I listened to the album, top to bottom, the first time. And um, John romero Milling said in an interview that it was very intentional for him to start the album with Christ Jesus. And throughout his musical journey, like he's written some worship songs, but also his songs have kind of gone off the beaten path of, you could say Christian music, but that's probably not even the right term but he said it was very intentional to start it with Christ Jesus. And I think that's a really cool idea of that. He's not shying away from the idea that it's about Christ Jesus, but he's like, maybe the Christ Jesus that is real is a lot different than the one you think you know. And so I think it's a challenge for people who are comfortable in their faith and an invitation back to faith for those who have abandoned it altogether by starting this album, by bluntly stating that. But the first line of the album is there is a garden in the void in the desert of space, which is just like, what? (laughs) But basically he's calling the earth, a garden in the void, a garden in the void in the desert of space. So it's like scientifically space is mostly empty space, hence the name. And it's, there's not very much life, and there's not anything, but he's like, we were born on the one place where we could survive, and, like, that just speaks to the the miracle of everything, which leads me to probably the best line of the song, or the most impactful, and Chris, I know you had it in, like, all caps and stuff, (laughs) do you want to tell us what it is? Yeah, he says, leading up to the chorus, are we asleep inside the miracle of it all and then it leads into the chorus christ jesus and i don't have much to say about it but i mean it it hits you it's very very hard especially when you're listening to it for one of the first times and and it's still every time i think about it i every time i hear it it makes me think about life mm -hmm. as a whole which is obviously really powerful to be able to do in one line of a song yeah and the music drops out at that point and then like basically like a group of voices or a choir joins in to like ask that question together and then it goes to the chorus which is christ jesus um would you think of us in your everlasting heart christ jesus would you dream us up again when we're gone so i was going to ask you about some lyrics in the chorus that i didn't really understand um when he says dream us up again when we're gone i just don't i never got that part yeah yeah what I kind of think about it is that the person singing doesn't really know what to think about their faith or about what that means for like what happens when they die but they believe that Christ is good and they're kind of giving themselves to him anyways and so it's like dream us up again when we're gone and I think it's also kind of this like admitting that all of us die and that Christ says like you'll live forever and I don't think that's untrue but it's like we also all die and so this is kind of this idea if we die that Christ has to dream us up again and actually it kind of ties into the song everything new which is this idea of new creation theology which is what the Bible says is like we get new bodies or like our bodies are remade so it's kind of Christ dreaming us up again and so I think it's Kind of just reframing what it means to believe in Christ and kind of starting from scratch in a way, and that's kind of my take on it. I think sure. at least I really like it. And yeah, great song. I love the I love the verses, and it's like talking. It's a statement about how crazy it is that we're all alive, and then it's like so we go to work and walk our dogs and make babies and sing songs, and way we asleep inside the miracle. So it's kind of just this anthem i guess you could say of not submitting to this idea of just like pretending everything's normal and going along with it but trying to to look at the things that appear normal around us and see that they're gifts and that they're miracles too and i think that's awesome and i want to do that more and i'm excited really excited to hear a second version of this song cuz he's doing new versions of each of the songs on this album he's already released one of them and a second one's going to come out friday and so I'm very excited to hear an alternate take on this song, too. I would love that. So that's what we have to say about Christ Jesus, I think. And so on to the second song, which is Juggernaut. And Juggernaut is kind of about the spring. And he talks about that when he was writing it, it was during the spring. And he was on his porch, and he has bad allergies. And he said he like started to write, and then his allergies like went crazy. And I was like, ugh. Oh, if only spring wouldn't come this year so i could write this song and then he kind of realized what a ridiculous statement that was and that even though we talk very fatalistically about the fate of earth and all this stuff and that death always wins he's like really like spring comes every year no matter what we do right now and so he's like really life is winning not death and that's why it's like the course is like life is heavy but it just won't stop And it's like uh, the chorus um, continues. Life is heavy, but it won't give up. It cries for us. Listen to the voice of your maker now. Hear the one who calls to all we don't know how to be but now. Or all you don't know how to be but now. And I love that idea of he calls to all you don't know how to be but now. So it's like the things we want to become, we don't know how to become them. But he's calling us into them anyways. And it's not about us knowing how to do it but just stepping into this idea that of believing that life is going to win and not death. And I think that's so cool. That is cool. It's also a bop. And it's got this really like fun O's section. And in the live version, he has a, an a album of a concert called The Stable Sessions. In the live version, he actually has a choir of, of female singers. And it's pretty awesome. I'm a big fan of the bridge of this song, which the lyrics go, we go on in the shadow of the moment. And we go on in the power of the morning. I think that's really interesting. And it's like the shadow of the moment and the power of the morning. So it's this idea that it's kind of hard to put into words, but it's that the moment now is kind of only a shadow of things to come. And so it's like we, but also the thing to come is the morning and that power of new life and of hope. And so it's this even though we live in an imperfect time, we still have the hope and the power of the perfect time to come. So it's like this, we're becoming who we are, or the new thing that we're going to get we already have, even so. I think that's so cool. That is cool. What are your thoughts on Juggernaut? Um, it's, I love the song. It's a great song. He released a single before, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I remember I listened to it a lot before the album dropped. The Life is Heavy, It Just Won't Stop um, line is my favorite of the song I was yeah excited for that one it's great he has a juggernaut sweatshirt i would love that it's really expensive though (laughs) one day if i win the lottery or something i might have to start (laughs) playing but to be able to win okay on to the next song which is a very interesting one the first time i heard it i was like what but i think it's honestly one of the most fun songs of his to listen to it's called cousin john yeah i still don't understand this one at all i love it it's a great tune. I get very confused. I have a very <laughs> limited understanding of it. Like, but basically, it's kind of from the perspective of John the Baptist, who was Jesus' cousin, and um, Mary was pregnant with Jesus at the same time. I forget her name, but was pregnant with John the Baptist. And it's like when they met... Elizabeth? Elizabeth, yeah, I think oh, so. Money, my yes. gosh. I didn't think I knew that one. And I think it's, I think it's like... A john the baptist like leaps in the womb like he kicks or something when he gets close to jesus and there's like a reference to that but basically the song is from the perspective of john the baptist and it's really interesting because then the chorus is cousin john keep your head about you cousin john keep your head on which is almost this like satirical thing because john the baptist dies by being beheaded and so it's kind of feels almost sacrilegious in a way but I'm, it's not supposed to be but I think it is supposed to be a little cheeky but um I got to see John Mark McMillan in concert a couple months ago with my man Sully Bright he's he's the man can't wait for him to listen to this um but he talks about he was like a lot of people ask me about this song but the funny thing is like it's kind of about me because my name's John and so he's like it's kind of just a reminder for myself to to keep my head on and to keep my head about me and to not be too worried about things I think that's so cool so funny yeah Yeah, and I know he's talked about like he'll write songs and not really know fully what they mean while he's writing them and so I think maybe the kind of elusiveness of this song might like maybe like he's still figuring out what it means but that's not my place to say yeah not my place (laughs) to say but I think it's a such a fun song it's got a really fun bass line and I think it's there's like this... During the second verse, actually, you can hear his son singing with him an octave up, which is really cool. And actually, his kids are on the album a lot, and I'll mention in some of the other songs where they are. And so, Cousin John is a really, really fun song, and definitely one to scratch your head about, but also to, to kind of lean into. It's, it's pretty cool. Okay, next song is Bright Abyss. Big fan of this song. Big fan of this song. It starts with these horns and then this really like jazzy piano come in and it's such a fun song and um it there's this line in the song which is kind of it's the second line and it's pretty central and it says so comes the abyss but the abyss she is bright and so it's this idea of the unknown and the this the what's unknown about the world and all of the space outside of earth like it's So unknown and can be so scary, but it's like the bright abyss that the abyss isn't full of death, and kind of like coming back to Juggernaut that it's that it's life that wins, and that life is the ultimate reality, not death. And actually, I'm currently rereading the Space Trilogy by C.S. Lewis, which is uh, a fiction book about a guy named Doctor Ransom who goes to these different planets, and it kind of interweaves fiction and theology and. I really love it, but there's a line in Paralandra that talks about the abyss, and I I want to pull it up because I think it relates. While I do that, Chris, do you have something you want to say about Bright Abyss? It's my favorite music on the album. Okay. I think outside of lyricism. It's the most fun, I think. I I always get excited for it. Yeah, it's a really fun one. Again, I'm really excited to hear a second version of this. But it comes in this spot where... These people are talking back and forth about God, essentially, and they're talking about this idea. He says, there seems no plan because it is all plan. There seems no center because it is all center. So it's this idea of not being able to see what the plan is or this idea of unknown. And it says, um, lest if we never met the dark and the road that leads nowhither and the question to which no answer is imaginable, we should have in our minds no likeness of the abyss of the Father. So this, this idea, if there really is a God, we're, he's so big, we're not going to be able to understand him. So if there's not questions in this life that we can't answer, we would have nothing to know what God is like. So it's this bright abyss of that. The que- the things that we can't understand are actually invitations into faith. And I think that's so cool. And the title of the song is actually, he took it from a guy named Christian Wyman, who's a poet. And he has a book called My Bright Abyss, which is, I think it's an anthology of poems and stuff like that, about his kind of journey back into faith, because he left his faith for a while, I believe. But that's pretty cool. And this song heavily features his kids, and they sing this big vocal part at the end, which I think is awesome. And you can hear, layered in, right before they come in, in full force, you can hear John Mark saying, I, I would think to them, it's like, the next part it goes like this. And then you can hear like some of them laughing. And I think that's so cool. And I think it's really interesting that this song about, like, fear and the unknown and this huge things has kids in it. And it's this idea of childlike faith is not about having all the answers. And that's kind of what The Abyss is. It's not having all the answers, but seeing the hope and the light and the life within it anyways. I think that's so cool. And I think it's so cool that his kids are in it. And, yeah, that's, that's Bright Abyss. It's a great one. Any other thoughts about it before we move on? Not for me. Okay. The next song is Pilgrim. Yes. It's great. So good. awesome. So good. And this song is really interesting, and it's a lot, I think, simpler both musically and lyrically than the rest of the album. Like, a lot of the lyrics on the album can be kind of tricky or interesting or unexpected. And not that this one isn't, but I think it's a lot simpler and a lot more down-to-earth than the rest of the songs but I think it's needed honestly I think it's almost like a rest on the journey and which I think is congruent with the like the lyrics of the song that it's like I'll love you here for a while I'll walk with you for a while and I think it's really cool and something too is he writes very metaphorically with a lot of metaphor and symbolism and kind of nondescript language but I think this song is really straightforward because it's like there is a heavenly city that I intend to find I like and although the flowers are and though I love the flowers and trees and the smell of the grinding seas and all the beautiful things in life I'm a pilgrim and so it's this really straightforward language where you where the previous song is like we break off flicker into the dark dim on the rim of our story arc like (laughs) like language like whoa slow down and then this one's so straightforward i think it's it's cool and i think it's i think it's one of the most well-received songs on the albums as far as i'm aware and i think i think it's just a really cool one and it's really sweet and simple and i think maybe even the most relatable on the album for a lot of people um it also ties into this it has a line in the second verse where it says many have died with a promise inside and they never got to see it in their time. And that's kind of a reference to a passage. I think it's in Hebrews. But it's, a, it's an idea that's talked about later, too, in The Road, the Rocks, and the Weeds. But I think it's really cool that after this line, it goes into the, the second chorus, and then it goes into this interlude section, which is this giant choir made up entirely of his son's voice. And then it goes into this next chorus where John Mart and his son are singing together. And so it's this idea... Like, I think it ties to this idea of a promise inside that they never got to see. So some of the dreams that John has, or the things like that, like, he won't get to see their fulfillment, but maybe his son will. And so the fact that his son joins him on the song is, it's like it's almost this passing of the torch moment, and I think that's so cool. And it's so cool to hear sonically, too. And so I think that's a really cool way to kind of tie the music and the lyrics and the album together as a whole because it ties into this idea that we explore more in The Road, The Rocks, and The Weeds*. so... Great song, great song. Also, I hope you guys have heard the album, and if you haven't, oh yeah, go maybe to maybe the stop album. here, listen That's to it, or even just listen to the songs as we go before or after. It'd be fun, but great stuff. It's on Apple Music and stuff. I'm gonna put Apple Music and Spotify and YouTube links in the description of the podcast, so you can go there quick if you need to. Uh, next song is "Everything New." Anything, anything to start us with on that one, Chris? Um. The, I don't know, musically the term for the part of the song after the chorus? Bridge. It's my favorite. The bridge of the song is so beautiful. Yes. So I'm caught in your heart, your country of love. Yeah. That's what I wrote down Yeah. It's so pretty. And he, he sings it very, very sweet. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny. This one's fun. And it's this idea of the new creation, which I think is something, it's a theology that N.T. Wright talks a lot about, Mako Fujimura ties into his theology, and it's, it's not a necessarily a disputed thing, but it's something I feel like at least I was never taught much about, because we just talk about, oh, people die, and they go to heaven, and there's that. But it's this idea of, like, there's, it's so much bigger and more than that, that it's the new heavens and the new earth, and that it's about God, not just God, bringing us back to the garden, but bringing us to the city of God, and not just forgetting human history but redeeming it and using it to build something even greater than what it would have been before and I think and it's this that we're in this moment now we can observe that and participate in that so it's you are making all things new because it doesn't say he's made or he's going to make but but behold I'm making all things new is this the song at the end where it gets like so crazy I don't think no that's Hammering Heart that Uh. one's That's the next one. I'm jumping the gun. That's okay. But also, there's the second version of this song, is already out, and I like it. Oh, I remember. Yeah, you show. Yeah, holy moly! It has. It's featuring the Warren Treaty, which is a husband wife duo, and it's this kind of like country gospel sound, and it's it's amazing. And so I would recommend listening to that too, because that that one blew me away. And I think it's really cool. The Warren treaty treaty um, uh, is, both of them are black. And so I think it was really special that this song, where it's he's making all things new, he's making everything new. And it's a white man singing with a black man and woman. And that idea of, I'm caught in your heart, your country of love, let your country come. And so it's this admission that, and this is not a condemnation of America, and I'm not getting political, but I think it's really cool that we can sing together, everybody, that there's a country coming where everybody's going to love everybody, and we don't have to worry about that. And so this song is really special, and it's a little, lyrically, it would be a little tricky, but I would love to lead this in a church sometime. I would love to sing this in a church. I think it's so cool. Musically, too, this one's a little interesting. It has this like electric guitar part. It almost sounds like some of his older music, like the album The Economy, which is kind of this like grungy rock vibe, almost punk, and it's really different than his music now, but it's really good. And so I think it sounds like that. And I think also the the guitar part has kind of a reggae vibe to it. And I know that John Mark B. Millen is a big Bob Marley fan. So I feel like maybe there's a little bit of a reference there or an influence there. So I thought that was really interesting. But that's just about oh, one more thing I have to say about this song is that He has a song in his previous album called No Country. And he talks about basically being a spiritual refugee and that he doesn't have a country. And then in this one, it's Let Your Country Come. So I think it's almost there's almost like a continuation of that idea to the next stage. I think that's really cool. And so we are on to the next song, which is Hammering Heart. And this one's wild. (laughs) It is something else. And uh, we're talking about the alternate versions. The next version of this song, featuring Sleeping At Last, which is another of our faves, um, comes out August 6th this Friday, which is awesome. So I'm excited to give that a listen. Um, what do you have to say about Hammering Heart, Chris? I don't have much. All I had written down in my notes was "is crazy. <laughs> <laughs> it is crazy. It's like this really heavy, dramatic... Song and it's like horses the, they run. The ending, the ending score, was it? A, it was almost a minute long. I think. Yeah, it needs to be in Interstellar. Yeah, or, yeah. Honestly, I was, I was actually what I was going to say is it would be great for a movie or like in between an a, like in an action scene where something dramatic just happened and everyone's like that wasn't expecting it and it's like looking around and then they play that score. I think. Yes, that would be- I want to if they ever make an Out of the Silent Planet movie or show. Oh, from this C.S. Lewis? Yes. Yeah. When they're going into space, leaving Earth, and he realizes that it's Earth. Yeah. This... Burr, burr, burr. Agreed. And it's kind of this idea, it's every everybody gets crushed by the hammering heart of the maker. It seems kind of dark and sad. But it's this admission of God's power and his just, like, massiveness. And it's really... I've heard him talk about this placement in the in the album order and how it's followed by the road the rocks and the weeds and it's this he he presented this picture that he had this picture of when they were producing it of that it is them leaving earth and seeing earth get smaller and smaller and smaller as the music grows at the end and it's so intense and so frightening and so crazy and then right when it transitions to the next song which is the road the rocks and the weeds it like this quick zoom down to the ground level. And I think that imagery, I think if you picture that when you listen to the songs in a row, is very vivid. And I think it's magical. And I think it's unbelievable that he was able to do that sonically and had that picture in his mind and was thinking about that. Really quick, before we move to maybe my favorite song of his ever, um, I want to talk about the kind of bridge of this song, which is, did I crawl out of the creek bed off the seafloor baby just to live like this do we get everything we hope for are you hopeful i feel it when the dopamine kicks in the grind over time everybody gets crushed and his lyrics apparently are wrong on the internet a lot so if i got one of those lines wrong or something i'm sorry but i think that one's so interesting and i think it's a direct reference to evolution and there's a lot of spiritual debate over evolution and whether there's uh, this idea that god had God created through evolution, and some people vehemently deny that, and some people include that in their theology. I personally have no idea where I stand on that. But it's this idea of, did I crawl out of the creek bed off the seafloor, baby, just to live like this? And so it's like, even though we have some scientific evidence for evolution, it's like the cry of our hearts is like, life is not how it's supposed to be. And it's this bumping up with, this power that we don't understand but we can't avoid, which is kind of what this song is about, the hammering heart of the maker. Everybody gets crushed. There's no escaping this feeling of just like, there's gotta be more. Or like, are you hopeful? Like, do we get everything we hope for? There's kind of this expectation. Like if you watch a movie, you want there to be a good ending. And it's kind of this, why do we have these such high expectations for how our life's gonna be or where our story's gonna go and where does that come from? And he's like, I feel it when the dopamine kicks, and so just even when you have dopamine go off in your brain when you feel happy or you feel good, it's this echo of a great story that has a good ending. And it's like, why do we feel like we're in that story? And it's even even if we scientifically don't feel like it matches up with faith, it's like that longing is still there. And it's how do we we can't escape it? The hammering heart maker crushes everyone. And that sounds so dramatic and so wrathful. But then you get to the next song, and it it blows the door wide open, which is called The Road, The Rocks, and The Weeds. And before I get into the song, quick detour. And I think we've actually talked about this song on the pod before when we did the five songs. So if you've already oh, yeah, heard yeah, that yeah, because you've listened to the pod, well, thank you for listening to more than one episode. And sorry for repeating it, but it's great. But basically, the title of the song comes from a parable – in the Bible, which Jesus talks about a farmer spreading seed, and he spreads it all across, and it goes on the road, it goes on rocky ground, it grows on weedy ground, and then good soil. And the parable is about, essentially, the word of God um, and the different types of hearts that receive it. And so it's like the quality of the soil of your heart and how you react to, to truth. And so it's the road, the rocks, and the weeds are unreceptive in one way or another that they're either too hard or they're choked out like the weeds by the desires of the world or the the rocky ground the the roots grow down very shallow and so when there's any sun they get scorched and so this idea of the road the rocks and the weeds are all the people who don't who don't who aren't the chosen ones who aren't receptive who aren't listening and um and then the, cor- the chorus states that the heart of my maker is spread out on the road, the rocks, and the weeds. And it's this idea of Jesus died, but it doesn't say Jesus died for the people who are going to believe in him, but he died for the sins of the whole world. So every person that, doesn't, that rejects him or ignores him, he died for them anyway. And so it's this hammering heart, this heart that, is, that you can't avoid is a heart full of love. It's not an evil heart it's not a cold heart and so i think that's so cool and that imagery that i talked about the space imagery the first line of the road the rocks and the weeds everyone say hi to gus if mm-hmm. you can hear him in the mic he's barking barking up a storm but that's okay but the first line of the road the rocks and the weeds is come down from the stars show your human scars and he he's the one not me i didn't think of that space imagery but he's the one who talks about that so that Come down from the stars. So we were lifted up into the stars with that lat song. And he's like, come down. Show your human scars. And so it's both that the hammering heart became human, limited himself in that way, but he also died. Show your human scars. Tell me what it's like to believe, is what he says. And so it's this idea of this juxtaposition of God's greatness and yet Christ's humility, and that they're not in conflict, but they're complementary, and they reflect the greatness and the gentleness of his love and I think that's amazing and there's a little hook at the start and that's actually his daughter's voice modified through production, which I think makes it even more special and just the sonic quality of the song like his deep vocals like layered over top of one another it just cuts right through like right away I think it's fantastic and he also makes a lot of references throughout his music, but in this song too. I guess it would be Greek mythology. I always get Greek and Roman mixed up. But the, he says, singing goodbye, Olympus, which is the home of the gods in the sky. Humans can't go. Goodbye, Olympus, the heart of my maker is spread out on the road, the rocks and the weeds. And so it's this idea of the contrast of the humble dying Jesus to the, to the powerful gods who wouldn't accept. And so that's why the bridge is Aphrodite would not weep, the goddess of love, nor Zeus would suffer for the weak essentially a god of power but have you come to stand inside my pain and so it's how different is jesus from these projections of who we think god is and so it's like i think that's a call to remind us of like who do who are we thinking jesus is in our inner dialogue and christ is probably way different and that's scary but also really encouraging and there's a line in the last verse of the song which says shall i plant sequoias and that line is actually from a poet named Wendell Berry. And I actually have a, my iced coffee is in, a, is in a thermos that says plant sequoias. Um, but that's calling back to the idea that was in Pilgrim, which is sequoias are the, the huge, huge trees. But apparently they take a very long time to grow. And so it's just this idea of what if our dreams were like planting sequoias, that they're huge but that they they might take more time than we have. And so it's dreaming not just about ourselves, but how can I dream for people that I might never even meet or dream for for good things that I might never get to partake in. And I think that's like, whoa. (laughs) Because we talk about dreaming all the time. And what are your dreams and what do you dream to do? But it's like, what if you dream for something that you never get to have? And what kind of confidence and contentment does it take to do that? And I think that's really special. And the, the last line of the song flips the script, not flips it, but it's a, it's a response to this idea of, the Christ, of, of Christ who is spread out on the road, the rocks and the weeds. And then it says, spread me on the road, the rocks and the weeds. And then it ends with spread me on the road. I think that's really special, and I think that is the invitation of what life should be and what I want to live like. But I, I came, I don't know when I thought of this, but it ends with spread me on the road And John P. Millen is a touring musician, which they often call the road. So I think that, I I wonder if that's intentional, I bet it would be, but that it's like spread me on the road, and I think that's maybe a reference to touring, because a lot of his job is on the road, which I think is really cool. And then as the song fades out, you can hear him say in the background, make a difference, make a difference, which I think is just awesome, and the way that you can weave that kind of stuff into the music. But that was a lot of time on one song, but I think it deserves it. Any more thoughts on the road, Chris? No, I think John Ragsdale loves this song. that's so a shout out oh, to him. I'll well, tell him to listen to that. That's this. amazing. Amazing. John Ragsdale is a pastor of the Hills, which is a church in Nashville. He's pretty pretty daggone awesome, so go go figure him out if you can. Next song is God is Young. This is a this is an interesting one. Yeah. It's a, it's like kind of a it's kind of a bop. It's like boo-doo-doo-doo. And it's sonically really kind of different than anything he's done. It doesn't really... There's no songs of his that I think sound anything like it. But it's a lot of fun. And it kind of diving into this idea of, like, the future and time and past. And that they're all kind of these ideas that we've come up with. And we give them so much power in our lives. But maybe they're not as important as we think they are. Because we're only ever alive in the present. And it's like the future doesn't exist. It's a projected idea time isn't real it's just a measure of change and the past is nothing but context it's not like a place you can go back to and so it's kind of like we we talk about the future and we're guilt guilty about our past and and we worry about how much time we have when it's like those are all kind of made up ideas that maybe shouldn't be as important and like obviously the world runs on times you have to but maybe it's like Pay attention to time for the sake of others, but like, don't let it have too much power in It's a life. call to live in the present, I think, which Definitely. is really cool. I think that's really cool. And it's this idea of God is young, which is pretty cool because two songs later, he calls God ancient, <laughs> which I think is such a cool thing. And it's this idea of if God is forever, he's never old because he would be always young and he's always and i always think we all, i think i always think of god as this old and kind of stagnant but it's no it's god is young and active and full of life and heart and god probably laughs a lot which i don't think of very often but i think is pretty cool and there's actually another parlandre reference if you don't mind sorry folks great book one of my faves but um there's a part in Paralandra where he's talking, he's kind of getting a, a visual view of like all of reality and truth and God and how everything's intertwined and stuff like this. And it's like this increasingly complex image and it's almost too much. But then it says at the very zenith of complexity, so like at the height of complexity, complexity was eaten up and faded and then a simplicity beyond all comprehension. Appears and it says a, simp- a simplicity beyond all comprehension, ancient and young as a spring, drew him with cords of infinite desire into its own stillness, which is beautifully written, C.S. Lewis. But ancient and young as a spring, and I love that C.S. Lewis smashes them right together, ancient and young as a spring, and I think that's so cool. And this, I, and I think that metaphor of a spring is so cool, or if you think of like a river, it's like ancient and young because it's moving and it's giving life like a like someone in their youth but it's also been around for way longer than most people so i think that's really cool and i doubt i don't know if that's intentional or not but i think that's a really cool parallel okay that's all i have for god is young um unbroken horses is the next song i don't have too much to say about this song but it's just kind of it's a fun song it's kind of kind of rocky it's a yeah, good time. it's a Rocky song on the tape, probably. I would agree. Some, some electric guitar parts in there. It's pretty fun. But the chorus goes, love has come to slay us. Love has come to lay us down. Has she come to save us? Has she come to see us drown? I, think, I love the way that's written. But it's like love, because of the imperfection of the world, is going to cause pain and even death. But it's like, is that a good thing or a bad thing? and i think the answer is it's a good thing but it's like that's a question worth asking and a question worth thinking about and counting the cost i think and then there's a line in the verse where it says the places we hide do they become our faces in time which is really cool and so it's like the things that we run to or we hide in he says run as well but it's like if we keep going back to them and we hide behind them uh, is that what we really do we become that And I think there's some truth in that. He actually has a a song which is only on vinyl. It's a B-side song called Faces. And it's kind of very similar to this idea. And so I think it's cool. And that's a song he never fully released. But I think that's a cool connection between that song and this song. Okay, let's move to this last song, Ancient and Brave. This song is, I think, maybe one of his wisest songs from my perspective. And I wish almost... I wish so many people would listen to this like I wish ever, not everyone would be required that's a weird thing to say but I think it's like whoa to listen to it, yeah it's so re- it's so deep but so relatable for so many people I feel like which that's hard to do yeah to make a song where it can relate to almost everyone but honestly like you have to think about it mm-hmm. which is cool I think so too and um, this song has his wife in it as a feature she's just awesome she's great and I think it's really interesting because the first verse is about women yeah and they switch they use the same like what is it called uh, yeah, not strategy but like same framework for lyrics but they change the words to make it different you know? yeah and, so, and it's, it's really interesting that John Mark a man obviously sings about women and their struggles and yeah. their pain and then Sarah McMillan his wife a woman I've, sings I've about men I've posted these lyrics a couple times and honestly every time I do it I forget I have posted them before because <laughs> they're so awesome I think it's I think it's so good but it's, um, the, the, the first verse is um, ancient and brave, which is a name for God, which I think is, whew, I could spend a long time thinking about that. So it continues, ancient and brave. Do you feel the weight of every woman's pain? All of these years, do you stain your face with every woman's tears while they sing, where is God at a time like this, where is God? And, whew, and then it continues with the second verse. It's ancient and brave. Do you suffer the fate of every man's rage? All of these years, do you stain your heart with every man's fears? And so it's like all the stuff we go through and all the pain that we receive and inflict, does God care? Does God notice it? And does God actually experience it? Which is an interesting question to ask, but in the person of Jesus, he does. And the chorus of an artist who is very much a Christian artist, and has worship songs to have a chorus that's just, where is God <laughs> at a time like this? And not that that's unique among his music, but I think it's really interesting and bold, and I think it's powerful too, especially with the way the song ends. Um, but then the song, the, after that it goes to the, to the, I guess you could not fully bridge, but kind of post-chorus, I guess you could say, but it says, every bullet, every blow, every wanton fist, would we covet the power you hold if we knew it would be like this? Every bullet, every blow, every wanton fist. Would we covet the power you hold if we knew we would suffer this? And I've heard him talk about this song before a little bit. And he says, like, "Is it? what if that because God has all the power, he therefore experiences all the pain? And what if those two things are intertwined in a way that can't be disconnected? which I think is a really interesting and somewhat hypothetical question. But it's also this idea of when God created us and created everything, he knew then the pain it would cause him in the person of Jesus to get us back. He knew then, and he chose it anyway. So it's almost this idea to have power over humans, which is a crude phrasing, but I'll use it. To have power over humans, but to keep them and to love them and have them love him in return. He knew the pain it would cause, and he chose it anyways. So it's kind of the inevitability of the suffering with the power. So our power grabs, to have more and more power, but to escape the pain, are almost cheat and hypocritical, which I think is cool. And so it's like never consider God's power without considering his compassion. And I think that is... Even done more expansively in the Hammering Heart, Road the Rocks and the Weeds continuation, which is very cool. But then it goes to the kind of outro of the song, which is really dramatic and large, similar to the ending of Hammering Heart, and it should be. And it, I'll just go ahead and read it. It says, um, You cut the mountains with volcanic rage and stone and ash. You lit the firmament ablaze. You pulled the waters back. You drank the mortal cup to feel the blast of senseless acts you blotted out the blood of war with blood upon your back. And then at the end, it changes. Um, at the last part, to, you blotted out the blood of war with centuries upon your back. And I think it's so poignant, such a poignant and creative way to phrase the suffering of Christ. And it, it gets me every time. And I come back to it when I need to remind myself of it. And so I'm very thankful for it. And I think you blotted out the blood of war with blood upon your back is, but the, to, he drank the mortal cup to feel the blast of senseless acts. And I think about so many of the things that I regret. It's like the senseless, like why would you do that? And it's like, God doesn't need us to explain away or rationalize all of our mistakes. He knows that they're senseless. And yet he chose to bleed for them anyway. So it's pretty, pretty amazing. And I think something is really interesting is the song ends, it plays the piano motif and then it goes into a whistle. It's like. And it's really an interesting way to end such a dramatic song. Um, but to connect it to something else, Mako Fujimura, who is an artist and a writer and who I very much admire, admire and respect, he has this idea about Lazarus that after Lazarus was resurrected, it says that he was reclining at table with Jesus. And so it's like if we're all Lazaruses, like part of part of living in the reality of Christ's grace is being relaxed and resting, which I think isn't a unique idea of Mako's, but it's where I've read it. And so the idea to end this song after recounting dramatically the suffering of Christ to whistle, I don't think is disrespectful, but is receptive of the grace. And so it's like all that stuff happened to him so that we could be free and so that we could have joy too and whistle, which is a funny thing to say but I think I don't think it's without meaning um do you have anything else to say about this song? I don't think so okay I really enjoy it well that's the whole album guys 45 minute analysis is it what's the run time? let me pull it up might be 38 that'd be funny so you could turn on the album you have to choose one of the two I would listen to it yes I would listen to it too but yes but took a lot of time hopefully you didn't get bored but if you stuck with it thanks for listening and we'll be back soon with a special (laughs) guest star (laughs) so yes this is longer than the actual album which is a little bit funny maybe i need to get a life but i think that's i think the album's far worth my time and Uh, think about it it's a 39 minute runtime but think about the probably days if you added hours of making and writing the album so it's like it deserves 45 minutes of going into so i have no regrets but okay friends we'll be back very soon with our special guest star stay tuned to find out who it is and to have some fun diving into the mcu are ready to introduce our super secret mystery guest and it is the one the only grace rogers
1: hello everyone i'm very excited to be your favorite guest
0: (laughs) and she is here (laughs) she is the third and only other rogers sibling so this is a one-time not a one-time occurrence because she'll be back but like a -a once-in-a-lifetime moment so be excited (laughs) folks for the second segment we're gonna do something i'm Very excited for. It is person, place, or thing, MCU edition. Which is similar to 20 questions, but there's no question limit. And it's one of the three of us picks a person, a place, or a thing in the Marvel Universe. And the other two of us alternate asking yes or no questions until we figure out what it is. And whoever guesses it first wins. But there's a few extra rules. Really just one. But if you actually point blank guess what the thing is like is the person iron man and you're wrong then you have to sit out for five questions so that the other person can ask five questions in a row so you don't just go guessing willy-nilly but you're not knocked out of the game altogether so i think that's a general gist today chris is going to pick a person i am going to pick a place and grace is going to pick a thing and depending on how fast it goes maybe we'll do two but if it's, if it's intense, we'll just so.
1: <laughs> Google the name of my second thing really <laughs> <laughs> no,
0: It's all good. Chris, do you think you're ready? If not, we can just mix up. Yeah, I'm ready. Mix up I the got order. it. Okay. I got it. Sweet. He's got it. So, Chris is doing a person, correct? Yes. A person. Okay. So, Chris, because you're the guest, you can get the first question. Yes or no questions only.
1: Okay. Is this person it's person right <laughs> <laughs> is this person in a Captain America movie which includes well, I like think about that first Avenger be, be, be,
0: yeah. so be any of the trilogy any of the trilogy right? yes okay. yes okay yes okay are those the only movies this person is in no okay
1: Was this person in Black Widow?
0: No. Okay. That's a great question. Is this person male? Yes.
1: Is this person human?
0: Yes. Is this person up into current MCU as in like Falcon Winter Soldier, Spider-Man? Oh, what do you mean up into? Like present MCU, if you could say it that way. Is he dead? No. So he's still alive. Okay. That's a good it?
1: Wait, how many questions do we get?
0: It's infinite. We can oh, okay. go back and forth. It looks like we're already at 20. No. Yeah, but if you okay. ask it, ask it, then there's the okay. penalty if you're wrong.
1: Alrighty. Um, is this person an Avenger?
0: Uh, that's a tough question now. We don't even know who the Avengers are. Mm-hmm. I'll say reframe. Reframe the question.
1: Okay. Was this person in fighting Thanos in Avengers Endgame? Yes.
0: Okay. That's a good... Yes. Well done. Um, So he's in the Captain America movies. Okay. Is this person what we would consider... Actually, I'm not going to ask that, because if he's fighting Thanos, he's essentially a good guy. Does this person have long hair at any point. Yes.
1: Does this person have a robotic arm? Yes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well who now who wins? Oh you stupid losers. <laughs> <laughs> now <Don> Mikey wins. <laughs> <Dang laughs> it's it Bucky Barnes. Dang oh, it! Man, Mikey wins. <laughs> Great! You get it. <laughs> you you <laughs> you, you, it's it's a shared. It's a, win. That's a <laughs> shared, no, that you, I'm not you soft. Not I'm not soft.
1: You can take the win. Okay, okay. I'm the funny sibling. Okay, if you can't tell yet.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay, so there we go. Round one out of the way. Okay, I I am now the, the guesser person, or the, not the guesser, but the answerer, and I'm doing a place, and I have my place. So okay, I'm ready to go. Please don't be too hard. It's gonna it's, be stupid hard. It's pretty hard. I'm never gonna. Get
1: Is it in the Doctor Strange movie?
0: Actually, let me... uh, Let me give me a second. I have have kind of two in my head. I'm going to pick the easier one. Okay. And then if we have time for a second round, I'll pick the harder one a second time. Okay. Okay, So I'm doing the easier one. Go ahead.
1: Is it in the Doctor Strange movie? Okay. No.
0: Is it on Earth? Yes.
1: Is it in Captain America the First Avenger?
0: Yes. (gasps) How specific are these places? Like, is it like not a physical like, place? Not like, like a a ba- not like a bathroom in this building, but not like a country or a city. Oh. It's like a... Like a, like a room location. or a building, that kind of thing. Like a location.
1: It's in... What is her question?
0: She said it was... Was it in Captain America, the First Avenger? Oh. It was not it, it was, was is, in that movie. And it's in the U.S.? Yes, it is. You said... That, I, already, I already guessed that. Oh, you did. Okay. okay. Yeah. okay. Yeah. Um, Does it have to do with his experiment... Indirectly, yes. Like, it's not... It's not the place place where the experiment happened.
1: Was Howard Stark in this room?
0: He was at this location.
1: Mm. Mm, good one. Well... Was he?
0: Actually, no, I don't think he was. Okay. In that movie, the locations are kind of hard for me to track. But no, I don't think he was. No, but... Yes, no, actually he was. Yes, he was. Sorry.
1: Okay. Michael? Christopher?
0: I don't know. Um, Was there action in this place? A little bit. Like stuff going on, but not like a bunch of people dying or anything.
1: Okay. Is it underground?
0: Parts of it. Ooh, good one. Parts of it are underground? Yes. To specify, I'm not doing like a specific room, okay. but I'm not doing like a city. Okay. So like kind of like a building or an area, that kind of thing.
1: I think I already know what it is. Pass. I question.
0: I pass. Okay, back to Greg.
1: Is it in... Captain America, the Winter Soldier.
0: Yes, it is. Oh, you guys, take the teacher. I handed take to it to win. you. No, take the win. Take the win.
1: Is it the... I don't even know what it's called. It's like the... Is it the military base?
0: Yes. Camp yes! Dallas.
1: Yes! Camp
0: Lehigh, which is oh, where... Oh, never back then. Yeah, it's okay. You don't need to know the name, but I know you knew the location. I'm looking You know you, you are good <laughs> at this game. It's nice game. in the first Avenger, because it's where Steve Rogers trains. Then it's where they go back to in winter soldier and then they're bombed then it's in avengers endgame when they go back in time to get the tesseract oh, and so tony talks to howard
1: i that's why i purposely did first avenger because i was like if it is in the first avenger then that crosses out so, so much yeah
0: that's a great call well done grace
1: thank you Yay, grace. that was me clapping for myself
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay now it's grace's turn She's doing a I thing. A
1: good one! good one.
0: An object of some sort. How hard?
1: It's, it's kind of hard, but it's not like stupidly hard. Okay. It's it's hard, okay. but it's not. I don't really. Both of them are stupidly hard, so.
0: Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um. My he goes first. Okay. Is it an infinity stone? No. Okay. Well, that's that was a bold question right there. Um. I figured those are the kind of the most important objects. Is it in
1: any of the new TV shows? No.
0: Okay. Is it a weapon? No. Okay. Is it a piece of uh, like clothing, like something you wear? No. Is it larger than a person?
1: No. Uh-huh.
0: It's not a weapon, and you don't wear it. So I mean, what could it be? I don't know. That's a good question. It's not a weapon. You don't wear it, but you can still hold something and not use it as a weapon. You know. Do you hold something with it?
1: That's not a good question do you, Maybe do you hold it?
0: <laughs> huh? Maybe do you hold it? Instead yeah, of do you wield it? it? Like, do you wield it?
1: No. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it depends
0: on how, how good you mean by wield. Because I guess, you, in a sense, you, you could, could wield, wield a it. frying pan. Like, yeah. do you wield okay, it? Okay, no. Yes. Oh, okay. You still you don't Yeah. Do you hold it in your hand? You can. Okay, you can. Does it change in sizes? Yes, Ooh, I don't even know why I asked that. <laughs> okay, let's 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 get let's get. Is it does it appear in a movie in which Tony Stark appears? Yes. Good one, good one. Oh, is it a suit? No. Ah, does it go in someone's chest? No. i was in darker.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> was it in um, the first one? Ooh, so it's in the second one. Was it in an Avengers movie? No. It's in the second okay. one. So it's an Iron Man 2, maybe? Oh. Wait, it's a thing? So it can't. Is it an animal?
1: Yes. Yes! <laughs> yes. Chris, uh, finish it off. Yes. I can't
0: do the voice, do the voice. <laughs> that, that is one. not my bird. <laughs> <laughs>
1: okay, so it wasn't that hard. Yeah. No, that's
0: a great one, though. Yeah, you couldn't really wield a bird. Yeah. <laughs> well, hey, yeah, I guess not. That was a great one. Yes, that was a great one. Do you want to run it back?
1: Yeah, Let's, I have we can. One. Yeah, we can I don't snake it. Do one. We'll, well,
0: let me just let me just guess. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So Grace, you can go again.
1: Okay.
0: We'll do okay. two more. Do two more. Two more sounds great. Okay. So it's another thing. Um, I'll right. ask the first question we again.
1: More <laughs>
0: we have very little left. Ah, yes. Um. Okay, is it a weapon? No. Okay. Is it thing again? Yes. Do you wear it? Yes. Ha! Finally. <laughs> does, get this one? does Loki wear it? No. Ooh. Does Thor wear it? No. Let's go through every character until we find it. Does it keep time? No. Does Captain America wear it? No. Does a good guy wear it?
1: <laughs> I'm not answering that question because that doesn't really count.
0: Yes, it does. Yeah, it does. It's a, valid a good question. Guy? The guy who wears it a good guy. Yes. Okay. She says with hesitation. No. Is it a so piece of <laughs> <more> <laughs> is it like a piece of clothing?
1: No. Okay, it's gotta be a helmet.
0: Is it made, made of, of metal? I
1: don't know.
0: Is it a helmet? No. Mm. Did
1: you guys it was a weapon?
0: Yeah. She said no, right? It's not yeah, a... it's not a weapon. But you wear it? right it's yes. not clothing. Does Doctor Strange wear it? No. What? The eye. Is I'm it jewelry? Yes. Oh, man. Oh, man, I wish it was a sling ring man. then. That would've been cool. I don't know um, what who wear. What do they wear? What do they wear? Is um, it a male? Well, I might sound like Does it. Black Widow wear it? No. Is <clears> it a male who wears it?
1: No. It's a
0: female,
1: or an animal? <laughs> <laughs> or an animal. <laughs>
0: um. Hmm.
1: Hmm. Is
0: it worn above the waist? Yes. Okay. Did, like when shoes, when did blow shoes <laughs> or pants? Shoes. Anklets, maybe? I don't know. <laughs> you never know. You never, yeah, that's true. I can see Tony rocking some anklets in his dad years.
1: Guys, my wisdom tooth is fully grown That hurts. That, hurts. that, that, that sounds like get it get I need to. I'm just nervous about it. Why? Anyways, back <laughs> to the game. I just don't want to okay. do it.
0: Does it appear in an Avengers? movie? Ay, it It's out of turn. No. Oh, I am. No, I have no idea. It really hurts. <laughs> I'm sorry. Okay. Does it appear in an Avengers movie? No. But it does. Wait, no, that was the last round. I was getting confused. Okay, so Chris, your turn. It's not clothing, but you wear it. Did you say it was
1: clothing? It's not. Clothing. It's not clothing. Okay.
0: Yes. And, oh, it's jewelry. Oh, it's jewelry. I forgot. <laughs> um, I don't know. Hmm. Ask about where it's worn. So it's worn like arms. Is it a roller on neck. your on your wrist? No. Okay. Necklace. Ask if it's a necklace or something oh. of such. <laughs> is. Oh. Is it worn around your neck? Yes. But it's not Doctor Strange's thing? Mm mm. Does Rocket wear something around his face? I don't think so. ASMR. Yes, <laughs> this is an.
1: Fans, I may be starting an ASMR button. <laughs> <laughs> Just, kidding. Uh-huh. Just kidding.
0: Ask about like, characters or movies. Good I think that'll help us. Is there something attached to it, the necklace? No. It's just a necklace. Um, okay. Is it associated with the military?
1: I don't. No. Okay, so then no. it's. It a <laughs> necklace? I had something in mind. I, I was thinking it was yes. dog tags. It's a necklace? Maybe I literally
0: have no idea what I was thinking it, was, thinking it was maybe like Bucky's dog tags. Oh, that's that's why I asked that question. So it's a necklace. I just so it's a clear. necklace. It's not Natasha's necklace with a little arrow. I don't even know. See, I'm not even going to know what it is. That's hmm. a funny it's a necklace I feel like covering
1: my face I feel like you will
0: so let's think about different characters it's a good guy male wears it does a male wear it no it's a female yeah a female wears it around her neck Hmm. does Tony give Pepper a necklace I don't know I don't it wasn't that dramatic is it it your turn I was just talking I don't even know (laughs) Um, sure it's my turn I don't know Um, hmm. is it seen before Avengers 1 no okay
1: is it is it it
0: worn by an Avenger no so it's a female non-Avenger female
1: I don't know. Ask. We gotta find out. Is it a name tag? No. (laughs) Dang
0: it! I was thinking Monica Rambeau's name. Pepper wear it? No. Just keep going. (laughs) Does it appear in a in a television series? No. Okay. Does uh, Wanda wear it? No. Hmm. Man, I don't know any other girls. (laughs) (laughs) Um, In this exercise, yeah. I'm not yeah, sure either. Know. Does it appear in a Guardians of the Galaxy movie? <laughs> no. Okay.
1: You okay, buddy? Yeah.
0: Crisis. is throwing us for a loop. Wait, what movies is it in? Do we find that out? No. Is it in lovely. any of the Avengers? No. No. It's not in Guardians either. Ask if it's in Cap's films. Is it in Black Panther? No. Is okay. it in Captain America's films? No. Mm-hmm. No. This is a good one. I'm um,
1: covering
0: is is my a good entire face. <laughs> <laughs> um, what other Miller movies are there? Oh, <gasps> is it MJ's Necklace? Yes.
1: Oh, <laughs> that's <laughs> fire. Fire,
0: good
1: one. oh, that's a great one. Thank that's you. A great well
0: great done, great Gracie. One.
1: Thank you. The weirdest thing is, this is so weird. I didn't even think about these, they just appeared in my brain. That's,
0: that's awesome. Impressive.
1: I know. Thank you.
0: You've secretly been preparing, like subconscious. I've been preparing subconscious whole time for years. Okay, I've got. I'm guessing. That was wonderful, Grace. Well done. Thank you. Okay, I've got one more place.
1: Oh, this is so gonna be weird. stupidly hard. It's, it's,
0: I feel like you can get it pretty quick. Okay. But if you get on the wrong train of thought, you could get lost. Okay. So I'm. I feel like it's gonna go really quick, but I have no idea. So is it an
1: Avengers it. movie? No. Okay.
0: Is it in a TV show? No.
1: Is it in one of the Captain America movies?
0: No. Is it a, in outer space? No.
1: Is it in a Black Panther movie? No. Did you say it wasn't an Avengers movie? It's not. Okay.
0: Is it in um, Ant-Man's movies? No.
1: Is it in Guardians movies?
0: No. It's, in, it's on Earth. Is it on Earth? Yes.
1: Is it in the Iron Man movies? No. Is it in the Spider-Man movies? Yes. Chris, that's your guess.
0: It's in the Spider-Man movies? Yes. I and mean, it's a place? Mm-hmm. Is it in the first Spider-Man movie? Yes.
1: Second one. Um Do they sell food there?
0: Yes. Oh. It's at the bodega? Yes. yes. <laughs> I
1: always hand it to you. <laughs> <laughs> nice, we did it. I got one. I got well one. That's oh. that a good one. That thank you.
0: Ago. Mr. Delmar. That's what it's called. Does he die?
1: I, I don't think he dies, but the, the but
0: place the thing, burnt up. but the place gets burnt up. Yeah.
1: You know what I originally thought it was? What? In the second I thought it was going to be the bar from Far from Home. Oh, far
0: from Home. That that would be a good one too. I don't know what that's called.
1: I would have just said bar from Far. Bar from
0: Far from Home. <laughs> yeah, that works. Good. <laughs> barf. <laughs> I mean, really? Yeah.
1: Okay.
0: Barf from Far from Home. the bar. Oh ah, wait, fake.
1: wait. Because the bar true. was fake and it was barf. <laughs> that's funny. It's crazy. What? Wait, that's crazy. Yeah. Wow, that was crazy.
0: Trippy. Do we want to do one more or wrap it up? Um, I don't care. I feel like we should do one more person.
1: One more person? Okay. Because we've done do two want, places do and two things. You want to things. think of a person? You want me to think of a person? Grace, you think Okay, give me a couple seconds. Okay. Okay. I have officially. I haven't gotten given it just a second. Um, okay, I've got it, I've got it.
0: Okay. Is this person male? Yes. Is yes Avenger? No. Mm. Is he alive? Yes. Is he in the TV shows? Yes. Mm-hmm. I'll find out which one. Shoot! <laughs> Is he somewhat of a booty hole? Define. Yeah, I
1: did. Yeah, that's like, not gonna work for me. Uh, <laughs> I was
0: thinking John Walker, so like that would have been straight up. Yes, he's a booty hole. What's
1: no. that? You gotta give me a. <laughs> okay. Okay. No, you have five questions. Yeah.
0: So Chris gets five questions. Oh. I have five. Is he in Wandavision? No. Is he in Loki?
1: No.
0: So he's in the. Other one. <laughs> yeah. I, I one don't to have to ask too. that. So I have three questions left to guess for the win. <laughs> um, it's a male you say yes um, um, does he fight no is he a kid yes but there's two of them Oh, wait, I'm thinking wrong. But I have one question left. Not Shoot. Oh, okay, okay. No, don't help me. Um,
1: oh, what the heck?
0: I automatically thought of his, his nephews, but then it's not it, because there's two of them, and mm-hmm. you can't distinguish them.
1: <laughs>
0: Sorry, guys. Wait, who's
1: nephews? His <laughs> names? <Carlton's> nephews. Oh.
0: <laughs> I don't know any. I don't remember the show. <laughs> <laughs> Dang it. Um. Oh, man, I did pretty good, but I can't um, You did do really good. Kid? I'm going through that episodes, I can't even think. <laughs> um, is he Asian?
1: No. Ah! Alright,
0: bring it home. Is it Elijah Bradley? Isaiah Bradley's grandson.
1: Yes! Yes! <laughs> Good one! Yes! Good one! I'm really glad you knew his name because I did not. <laughs> <laughs> no,
0: that's okay. He actually, in the comics, becomes kind of a somewhat of a Captain America known as Patriot, I think, in on the Young Avengers. Oh, that's
1: tough. Which is kind of
0: sick. So that may occur. And he, in an interview, is like, I'm so in for whatever happens.
1: That's so, tough! That'd be cool.
0: Well, friends, that was a lot of fun. I hope you had a lot of fun. Grace, thank you so much for joining us fun yay i'm so glad
1: thank you for having
0: me woohoo absolutely i say she comes on like every other episode yeah. sounds good to fun. me especially when we do um like the fun the game side you yes i'm saying yes we need to have a guest like on the for games. the analy- analysis and then she do the game side with this. that would be that great would be fun. that would be a lot long time oh,
1: yeah because yeah. you guys can do the analysis send it's send guest requests people yes we, uh,
0: um text or Instagram yes or even just like I guess you could write a review of the podcast but just pretend you're commenting because I very much appreciate feedback and just communication so feel free also shout out to our viewers in uh, Germany
1: (laughs) yes I was
0: checking the stats apparently some of you guys are around the world or you're using like location scramblers so if you're not and you actually are from around the world no they're from Germany I hope so please hit me up I'd love to have friends from other countries yeah
1: they got bored of you
0: also I have to say shout (laughs) out to Caden Stump and Sully Bright who I first played this game with it was a great time so they they deserve some recognition okay friends this was so fun Grace come back very soon
1: I will I had a great time
0: also send some topics that you guys want us to talk about yeah for sure we're doing whatever yes Yes, we were just having a grand old time Okay, folks, we will see you soon. Thanks for joining.